today on the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time. We receive this gospel, which seems at first appearance to be about the end of the world and the second coming of Christ and the trials of the first Christians and of us today as Christians. And it's interesting because 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time, that is this Sunday, it is right before the 34th, obviously, and the 34th is Christ the King, the end of the liturgical year. And so every year we face these Gospels of the Second Coming of Christ. And as a priest, we should and really have to preach about the Second Coming of Christ. We still believe in it, you know. Now, it's interesting, though, because this overflows into Advent. Advent is starting soon now. And we're getting ready for Christmas. And we have to work hard that this Christmas might be Christ Mass, that it might be centered on Christ, that it might be a way for us to really enter into the joy of the fact that the Word became flesh. And in order for us to do that, the Church gives us, at the beginning of Advent, two these Gospels that concerned with that are concerned with the second coming of Christ. And so it does it every year. The Church does this every year. I hope you've noticed. And what it's saying is that as Mary and the people of her time, the Jews of her time, we're waiting for the first coming of Christ, so are we waiting for the second coming of Christ. And the amazing thing is that he will come this Christmas. He will come for us this Christmas. Certainly will come under the form of the Eucharist. And so we have to get ready for it. Now, that being said, there's a few layers to this particular gospel. You have to notice that... Um, He's talking specifically about the Temple of Jerusalem and that uh, there'll be no stone left, really. And he's doing a direct prophecy, a prophecy of the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem. And once you realize that, you realize that the first Christians went through all these trials that they had to depend upon the Holy Spirit for the right words. That brother turned against brother, mother turned against son, father turned against son and daughter, and the family is being divided and betraying one another. That the persecutions came out against the first Christians at that moment. It's absolutely clear. And the temple was actually destroyed in 70. And this was a prophecy that Jesus had made about 40 years before saying that Jerusalem would be destroyed. And so that would be a second point I wanted to drive home today. The first point being that this is getting us ready for the end of the liturgical year. We're looking towards the second coming of Christ and the, is looking forward towards Christmas already um, where we're going to receive Christ who is coming for us this Christmas. I often hope that Christ will come in a second coming and final coming this Christmas. That would be wonderful. That way we can finally be embraced by the infinite love of God. And we already are in the Eucharist, though. So praise be his name. Now, second point is that this particular text is uh, specifically about the destruction of Jerusalem. And nevertheless, we've always interpreted it as... An example, like a micro example, of what is going to happen in the end of times, where there'll be the destruction 
of the world as we know it, the destruction of the world. And so it needs to come to a third point. This is speaking about the end of the world. I look around today, and it's important to grasp um, that we live in a time where there are a lot of good things. And I don't want to be all gloom and doom all the time. We have to acknowledge that there are many good things in our world today. I could think of, for example, since I think it's 2005 or so, we have cut the world hunger in half, you know, in the extreme form of it, of world hunger. It has diminished by over half of what it was only 10, 20 years ago, 20 years ago or so. And that's awesome. Or take, for example, since World War II, we've had no major war between any of the major powers. And so you don't have whole chunks of the civilization that are being killed. But there are other things that are going on today. It's not all rose, you know. It, there seems to be something going on. I, I compare it a lot with Brave New World. It's a book, you know, it's a great book if you haven't read it. it and weren't forced to read it in school. It'd be good for everyone to have read it. That and also 1984. Our governments and our world around us doesn't uh, work as much like 1984, at least not for the moment, where it's a government that works by fear. You know, The devil has two ways of getting you. He either gets you by fear or he gets you by seduction. And our governments don't work as much by fear. They work by seduction. They're pulling you, us by the nose. They're pulling us by the nose. And notice in Brave New World, what they do is they engineer everything. The government engineers the way that we feel even. They engineer us genetically. They remove anything that's not kosher, not good, you know, according to their ideas. Everyone has to be programmed from birth into their occupations, into their way of life. They are genetically programmed right away. Hey, I look around our society today, and things like abortion, I mean, that would have been unthinkable on such a large scale as it is today. That would have been unthinkable just 100 years ago. And yet today it's so rampant. Where now, just recently in our country, euthanasia has passed. And the fact that we can't stand seeing anyone suffer at all. We don't sit, keep our elderly in our home anymore and love them until their dying breath and give them a role in our family. We exclude them off to the side and when they start to suffer, we off them, you know, we, we knock them out. We fill them with painkillers. And then now we can just get rid of them. It's horrible. It's horrible. We don't learn how to love and to give. We're creating a society that is engineered. Look at our advertising now. The advertising is oriented specifically to pull you by the nose. Meaning you get special advertising just according to your likes, your wants. Even if you don't know you want it. They're programming the advertising because they see your habits, which could be subconscious. Talk about trying to control everything so that everyone feels good all the time. They give you also, according to Brave New World, and according to the way the world is today, all the pleasure you want. 
Fulfill yourself all the time. But suppress your freedom. Suppress your right to, to fight. Notice today, we don't know how to argue anymore. We don't argue intelligently anymore. Uh, we argue extremely passionately or not at all. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. And all of a sudden, shut them down. And it's absolutely horrible. We're not able to have a good, healthy argument. And so, perhaps things are going well in this world. And perhaps they're scary. Perhaps the brave new world in which we're in is one that only Christ can save us from. And I, as a Christian, if I stand up for what I believe, I believe that love is first, yes, being selfless is first, offering myself entirely to God is first, laying down my life for my friends is first. I believe in all the basic fundamentals of Christianity, then brother will be separated from brother, sister will be separated from sister, mother from daughter. The persecutions will come. You will be thought as ridiculous. You will be put aside. For this brave new world doesn't support anything except for its own pleasure and its own socially engineered projects of creating all of human beings to fit in the line of the one government. That is horrible. So let us ask that we might have a grace to realize that we're going to arrive before the judgment seat of God. And this judgment seat of men will pale in comparison. And that we will answer for what we do and we do not do. Let us ask for the grace to fight this world of pleasure through regular fasting, through regular discipline. Let us fight this world of, that wants to pull us by the nose and suppress our freedom through seduction. And let us stand up and say, hey, there are things worth fighting for. There are things that are worth living for. And that is the love of God. And I will not stand down. I will not stand down. I am waiting for that coming of Christ. I will be that servant that waits all night for his master till he come. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.